It's game day. Hello and welcome to the Lockdown Leafs Podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano, joined by my co-host, The Zoobs. What's going on, buddy? Back at it. I'm disappointed we didn't get the thoughts on some random Golden Knights players' thoughts on how the Leafs are playing. What, what, what are we even doing here? <laughs> I know. Nobody... Well, I mean, I think after the firestorm of Drew Doughty, uh, it just kind of... It's going to fizzle off, I guess. I think people realize that it's kind of dumb to ask every single decorated player that walks through uh, the opposing team's dressing room how the Leafs are doing and what they need to do to succeed. It's It was just a quick one-week fad, I guess, and it's over, and I'm not that upset about it, to be quite honest with you. Don't you want to hear what Braden McNabb has to no. say? <laughs> no, I do not. I do not care what Braden McNabb has to say. Uh, bear with me here, folks. I'm kind of coming down with a little bit of a cold, so if I sound a little nasally and stuffy, uh, that's why uh, we had our first snowfall here in Toronto. Mm-hmm. I'm not a big snow guy. What about you, Zoobs? Who's a snow guy? What, what kind of sick? I know. Kind of sick individual is a snow guy. Um, no, not a snow guy. Uh, as an owner of a very small dog who does not like the snow, uh, Oof. It, it is it is the beginning of four, probably four or five months where. His daily trips outside become uh, a battle in getting a pair of boots on a small dog. Not fun, not what you want, but, uh, you know. <laughs> you put booties on your dog? You have to. He's, he's got very small <laughs> paws, and uh, they get cold, and he, like, he like refuses to walk because his paws freeze. It's, he's a very uh, particular dog, is what I would say. He's got his, his likes and dislikes. So it's, it's a, it, the battle begins today uh, for that one. Yeah, not only the battle between the dogs, but the battle of the DVP and the 401. That is going to be, uh, I'm not looking forward to having to drive to work today. I don't know what it is about snowfall and uh, people driving, but they just they forget how to drive. The second they see a little, little piece of white fluff floating down from the sky, it's like their driving habits just go right out the window. Now let me ask you this. Are you a? Are you already in your snow tires? Were you were you ahead of the game to get your snow tires once it gets below a certain yes. at a point? Yes, I was. You're 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 uh, a good citizen of the world. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, like I was back uh, back in Niagara visiting my parents a couple weeks ago, so I was like, ah, I'll switch them out since that's where my tires are at, anyway. So I was like, ah, I might as well go ahead and do that. And yeah, I did it back like Thanksgiving, quite a while away. Good job. Um, uh, so to get back to the Maple Leafs here, uh, lots of lots of news coming down just as we were about to record this pause, which or this pod, which uh, which could be telling about a lot of things. Nick Patan and Martin Marincin just waved and sent down to the minors, uh, which could only mean one thing: the return of Zach Hyman. Yes. How excited are you? I think this is. I mean, I think we are. And not just us, but Leaf fans in general, we might be a little guilty of heaping too much praise on Zach Hyman beforehand. This sort of the inverse of what it used to be when we spent years wondering why Zach Hyman was getting the role he was getting. Now that he's not there, I think we're sort of laying at his feet all the stuff that's wrong with the team. When Hyman comes back, they'll solve this and that. He's going to be an important part of this team. I don't expect them to immediately be the best team in the league because he's back but it is nice to see um you know if once he returns some balance back to the lineup more than anything what he what i'm looking forward to with zach hyman is the guys that have been playing that increased role that's trevor moore that's casper kapanen that's Ilya mihaev 
anybody that's that's been bumped up, even Nick Patan for a little bit, uh, bumped up to play on that top line with Tavares and Marner. Now they filter down, and suddenly the third line looks really dangerous. Suddenly the fourth line has a little upside. So more than anything, more than anything that he does individually, I'm really looking forward to the balance that is about to be brought to the bottom six. Definitely. It's good. It, for the first time all season, it looks like. I don't think he's, he's not going to play tonight versus the Golden Knights, I don't believe, because uh, just look it up here on Twitter. Uh, Kristen Shilton of TSN asked Mike Babcock about an hour ago during the pregame uh, morning scrum there if there was any update on Zach Hyman's timeline, and he said, nope, no update. I would assume that would have been his time to say, yep, he's good to go, ready to play tonight. Uh, But there was a lot of speculation that he'd be ready to go this weekend for the back-to-back against Philly and Chicago. So uh, that's going to be exciting to get him back. Although the cap crunch is going to be interesting uh, because with Zach Hyman returning, we already know that this team is so much, so far over the cap uh, realistically, that it's 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 really difficult to bear at this point. Uh, but luckily, you know they've got this little IR loophole, LTIR loophole that they've taken advantage of. Um, but with Hyman returning, there's a strong possibility that this team will only be able to have 20 or 21 skaters on the team at once. And if that's the case, do you think that might be a little difficult? Yeah, I mean that is that is a concern, and those guys are going to have to, um, you know, keep one eye over their shoulder. As you know, we're seeing with Patan immediately, uh, waivers are not going to be far away for anybody who fails to earn their spot on that bottom line. I think that's a great point. That uh, especially in practice, um, not that these lines are going to be set in stone, but these lines are going to be less fluid than we've seen out of the start of the game. Hopefully this is something that isn't a huge impediment, but I expect maybe we see a little more Jason Spezza down the stretch here, if not um, the beginning of a, I would say, uh, showcasing, to, to use a word we used with Patang. We may see somebody on this sort of bottom uh, six uh, try to maybe maybe try to fetch somebody who makes a little less. There isn't a lot of room because none of these guys are making a ton of money. But um, yeah, I think I think there's there's a little less room for failure with the guys in the bottom six. And, and I look at somebody like um, Frederick Goche, who started out so so good this year and now has really sort of faded back. Um, you know, he he goes from a pleasant surprise in those bottom lines to now that he is definitely a fourth line guy. He could be in danger of slipping into the press box for a little bit now that now that things are so packed. But to contrast that point too, I think the fact that, you know, you talk about we're not going to see any of that fluidness, maybe this is a chance to try and get some some continuity within the the bottom six. You know, it seems like on a nightly basis we have things shifting uh, literally for between the third and fourth line all the time because with the loss of, of Hyman and then uh, we lost – uh, John Tavares for a little bit, and then they were trying different things. Trevor Moore was moved up to the top. Mejia was moved up to the top. Kapitan started off on the second line, and now it seems like we're finally getting all the pieces together. Maybe continuity won't be such a bad thing, and we could try having you know a solidified top three, and then that fourth line is pretty much going to be solidified. And maybe, just maybe, the fact that Jason Spezza hasn't been sent down or released or or whatnot. 
maybe he's the guy who might be checking in every now and then, but I, I could personally see him just kind of being a healthy scratch for a lot of games. And then this, this group of 20 guys that we have on the roster right now seems like this is going to be the players that are going to be skating uh, when fully healthy. Uh, later on, we're going to chat uh, in segment three about some of the comments that um, for some, Mike Babcock did the media rounds yesterday. Uh, so we'll kind of chat about and pull out what we thought was interesting. And this kind of goes towards it. So I guess to give a little bit of a teaser, but he said that, um, you know, the Marlies are right there. So uh, it may not be as big of a, a hassle, uh, that we're thinking it may be because if they really do need an extra body, you know, but teams do paper transactions all the time uh these this marinchin and and patan transaction could very well just be a, a paper move uh that, that that happened today and the fact that they're still going to be kicking around you know we haven't seen hyman technically come off the ir yet now by the time that this podcast is released that could be different and he could end up coming off of ir but as of now uh noon on uh, on thursday <laughs> uh it, it hasn't happened yet so you know, we'll we'll see what what ends up happening. I, I think that I don't know if it's going to be as bad, uh, you know, depth wise. I guess uh, as as we think it might be, it could be a good thing. You know, a team that needs to kind of establish. I, I, the key word here for, of the week seems to be establish identity, and with the fact that they'll get uh, a full lineup finally for the first time all season, seemingly this weekend. Uh, that should be a good time to, to try and establish that. Uh, one other thing that you know I kind of uh, wanted to chat about, Elliot Freeman talked about it, and it has to do with this. Elliot Freeman talked about it in his 31 Thoughts. Uh, two things. One, he noted that he has a, a suspicion that the Leafs do plan on rolling with a 20-man lineup one time in returns as opposed, or for the next little bit. As opposed to maybe making a move, which we've talked about in the past, whether it's trading away CC or it's uh, moving on, moving Kapanen, or, or or I saw Mike Zigamanis from Sportsnet, uh, the fan said that maybe potentially the move that he thinks might be in the cards is trading Nylander, which oh, I think is asinine, no. but it, it was it was thrown out there. Um, so, but it seems like according to Elliot Friedman, he has a suspicion that the Leafs are, they want to try this. They want to go with this, this 20 man roster that they've accumulated. That looks, that is going to start tonight. And, uh, I think that's, that's going to be interesting, uh, how that, how that kind of formulates through, uh, through the next few weeks or so, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think also important to keep in mind, like, there's going to be other injuries, right? Well, like we are sort of de- looking at this as if it's such a thing, like Neil, like Hyman's back, and then that's it forever. Somebody, like there's going to be things. There's going to be nicks. There's going to be cuts. There's going to be guys that get banged up over the course of a hockey season, especially as they play uh, a condensed portion of the schedule. So, yeah, th- that is definitely. I think I don't think Nylander being moved is the answer for anything, but. Um, you know, tw- 20 guys is how they're going to go forward here and- until necessity uh, changes that to go to a different direction. All right, coming up next, we'll preview the game against the Vegas Golden Knights. But first, let me tell you a little bit about DoorDash. Treat yourself to the meal you deserve. You have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app. Enter the promo code LOCKEDON. 
All right, coming up next, preview of the game between the Leafs and the Knights. All right, welcome back, everybody, to the Lockdown Leafs podcast. Maple Leafs taking on the Vegas Golden Knights tonight at home at the Scotiabank Arena. Leafs actually yet to lose to the Golden Knights at home, a perfect 2-0. They swept the season series last year, uh, winning in their home barn as well as ours. Uh, what are you expecting out of tonight's game? This is going to be a tough one. This is going to be a test. Um, similar records. Uh, and, we, you know, we've seen the last couple of games where it seemed like the Leafs sort of cruised along. Uh, happy to play an, the other team's game and, and be, um, you know, not exactly pushing the issue. Well, that's not going to be the case against Vegas. They're they're a fast team. They they play high chances. They're uh, dangerous on almost every line, uh, as well as being de- uh, good depth defensively and and usually good goaltending. I think we might be in line for a Malcolm Subban start, but uh, you know it's going to be a competitive game. I, I expect a good game. I think it should be a fast game. I think um, this might be a game that pulls the Leafs out of their doldrums in the last little bit. This is a team that likes to play uh, fast hockey, and the, and the Maple Leafs can match up with just about anybody uh, when it comes to speed and skill. So I think I think we're in for for a, a good uh, high pace game uh, this evening. Yeah, I really do like the matchup here because what it seems like lately it's becoming a pattern is that the Leafs aren't playing their game; they're playing the opponents game like they're they're kind of coming down to play the worser teams and they're stepping up to play the better teams and they're they're allowing the opposing teams to dictate the style of play now I think the Golden Knights kind of are interesting because they do also have some heavy hockey players you know Ryan Reeves a uh, big tough kid uh, England on the back end tough kid you know they do have some guys who I say kid but they're much older than me <laughs> uh, but they do have some guys uh, that can throw their weight around and play a heavy style of hockey. You know, Mark Stone, a great player. He's not so much of a speedster uh, that you would think of for a guy who's so successful in this league. So it's going to be interesting to see how uh, the Leafs go about trying to establish their own game tonight against the Golden Knights as opposed to, you know, playing their own style. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what Babcock has in place for these guys. It's going to be a tough matchup. Knights coming in 9-5-2 uh, and two on the year. Uh, they've been a success story since the moment that they were brought into the league a couple of years ago, making a run all the way to the cup final, something that the Leafs haven't uh, done in what seems like forever. I know my entire lifetime. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it should be a really good game. I'm excited to see what's happening. Uh, Timoshov checking in for Patan. Obviously, now we know why, considering that Patan has been... Uh, waved and sent down to the minors. But it looks like Trevor Moore actually is going to get shot up to the second line there, and he's going to get a chance to play alongside Marner and Tavares again. Everything else pretty status quo. Tim Schaub on the fourth line with Nate Shore and Freddie the Goat. Uh, what I find interesting about this, though, is that last game, the fact that we had Hyman, or not Hyman, I wish we had Hyman, uh, Nick Patan on the second line, and then Moore was on the fourth line. I thought that we would see that for uh, at least one more game going forward, A, to kind of showcase Patan to see if we can get something out of him, and B, because we know that that fourth line is going to consist of of um, Moore, Shore, and Gauthier. So I figured, you know, give them another game just to kind of, uh, learn about each other and try and build some chemistry with each other as opposed to breaking it up for a game until Hyman gets back. I figured why not just keep Patan there and then once Hyman gets back he just 
basically kicks him out of the lineup, gets back on that third line, on that second line left wing spot, and and away we go. I just thought that was kind of weird to uh, to to push more back up just for this one game. Yeah, I I, I see I see your point. I I think um, you know having Patan on that higher line is more of a situation where the matchup against the Kings was one where they felt they were talented enough that even if they had somebody like Nick Patan on their top line, it doesn't really drag down their chance of winning so much. I don't know that you get away with playing Nick Tan- Nick Patan that much against the Golden Knights. I know Trevor Moore also really, in truth, a fourth-line guy, but he does some things um, you know, similar. We've talked about this before, but he's a little similar to... Hyman in a little in the way that he forechecks and gets the puck back and, and is willing to really dig. So I think it makes sense to have more there back on that line against a team like Vegas, where you may need his sort of style a little more than uh, you would be willing to um, sacrifice a little bit to to showcase what Patan is capable of. Because the two points uh, remain, uh, you know, goal goal A here against a team like this. Yeah, that's a good point. I guess in my in my eyes, I was kind of thinking more long term, whereas you're thinking, you know, short term, just got to get those two points and uh, the fourth line will figure out their chemistry tomorrow type deal, which, to be honest, probably sounds like a lot better now that I think about it. And now I'm a little <laughs> less worried about that. Uh, I, I I see where you're coming from, and uh, I, I like it. Plus, you know, Trevor Moore, he, he really didn't get much time to showcase himself on that second line with Tavares and, uh, and Marner because... It was what? So they, they scored. He was awesome. And then the very next game, or, or was it that game? Tavares, was it that game against Washington that Tavares ended up breaking his finger? Or was it the following game? I don't remember. But he didn't get he didn't get a, real, uh, a long run and a long look with that team either, or with that line right. either, which kind of sucked. Yeah, agreed. Just bad luck. Um, yeah. All right, three keys to the game. All right. We're going to sound like a broken record here, but the power play, the special teams in general, <laughs> it, it needs to happen today. We, we, it needs to happen. I, uh, this is something that we have talked about um, you know, since before the season even started, about being something important they have to keep uh, you know, diligent at it and make sure they remain among the best teams in the league with the power play. It has been ugly, ugly, ugly to say the least. Lately, I I believe this is the night that, that, that they can. It's gonna be tough. And nothing, obviously, it's never easy. Um, but I want to believe. I, I want to believe this is the one uh, uh, for this team. That's gonna be tough. You know, the the Knights have the second best penalty killing in the league, uh, operating at eighty nine point eight percent. It's it's gonna be tough to beat this this penalty kill unit but if they can man would that ever give them confidence going forward the fact that if they're able to put uh, a goal or two behind the uh uh in the back of the net on the man advantage i think that would give them a lot of confidence going forward considering how poor that the power play has been so i i hope you're right but uh this this is going to be tough they they do a really good job of getting in the lanes and cutting off uh good opportunities so we'll see if the leafs can do it we'll see uh, for me, one of my other ones, uh, I, we kind of chatted about it before, but they got to play their style of hockey. You know, a running gun, flashy, high-octane, offensive game. For some reason, 
they've just been, you know, we've, we've talked about it already, but, you know, they're not playing their game. They're letting their opponents dictate the style of play uh, out on the ice. And why would you do that when you have such a talented group that you yourself should be skilled enough to dictate how the game's going to go? So I think tonight that's going to be a huge key, especially going up against a team with so much offensive firepower in the Knights. If they can slow things down and kind of take advantage of the Leafs that way, it's going to hurt them. So the Leafs, I think, are going to have to go pedal to the metal and uh, you know play their style of hockey and, and just all out, man, all out offense, get shots on net, uh, and that's one for me. What's another one for you? I think... Uh, this is one where the, where the you make a great point there about the style of hockey, and when you look at the Vegas lineup, you see a, sort of a similar to the Maple Leafs, where the first two lines uh, really fire, and then the depth is there as well. I think this is a game where we need to see line three uh, really pull their weight. We saw a lot out of Kerfoot in the last game, um, but to me, this one lines up as there's going to be some shifts where it comes down to Kerfoot, Mihaev, and Kapanen to make something happen. And I believe the way they have been playing lately, they have the ability to do that. So I'm looking for line three to keep the good things rolling and to be the separator here when the top two lines on both teams sort of go blow for blow. Uh, I think the third line can eke out some advantage in, in some of these matchups lower down the roster. Definitely, and and one of the other things too is they, I think that their D zone coverage is going to have to be elite tonight. Uh, Vegas, they're they're a lethal team, and they shoot a lot. They're second in the league in shots, uh, shots for. So they they really like to to get open and, and put pucks on net. So I think for the Leafs tonight, they're going to want to you know take a page out of. Zach Hyman's playbook, if you will, or Justin Hole's playbook, and get in front of pucks, you know, try and block some shots, get in shooting lanes, and take away those shots, because that's something that Vegas is very successful at, is is finding ways to, to get through, uh, to get through players, get through traffic, and get shots on goal, and, you know, the, the more shots on goal you get, the more chance you are that you're going to score, and uh, that's how Vegas likes to likes to roll. So if we can limit that a little bit and try and take away some shooting lanes and get in front of pucks, I think the Leafs uh, the Leafs should be good uh, in that regard. Uh, you got a prediction for us? Uh, let's go. Let's go to Barn Burner. Let's go five four Maple Leafs. Ooh, regulation shootout. OT shootout. Uh, yeah, let's go through a shootout. <laughs> Eleven rounds or <laughs> no <laughs> standard. <laughs> Interesting, interesting. Okay, uh, I am going to go. I think that they're going to get the win. I really do. I like the way that they they match up against them. Let's go with a Freddie's playing pretty well right now. Um, did you say that there that Malcolm Subban's in net for Vegas? It's been it. He was the first goalie off the ice. Um, so it's been there was reported reports. that he might. Be. Yeah, we saw a little bit of both. So let's go. Five two Maple Leafs. All right. Five two Maple Leafs. John Tavares scores. Johnny T. Johnny T scores. That's gonna happen. Yeah. There's our predictions for this one. Should be a great game. Uh, looking forward to it. Uh, coming up in segment three, as mentioned before, Babcock kind of did the the rounds, the media rounds yesterday, talking about a whole bunch of stuff. So we'll kind of talk about what. We pulled from that, and that's coming up next. 
All right, welcome back to Lockdown Leafs Podcast. Mike DiStefano alongside the Zoobs. Uh, so Babcock was on both Overdrive. He was on the Ray and Dregs podcast earlier in the week. And uh, he was also on Tim and Sid. A lot of the same talking points uh, on all of it. Kind of like robotic, really. So if you listen to one, you pretty much listen to them all. Uh, maybe he gives a little bit more personal, uh, personable in the Rain Dregs podcast, just because it's a podcast. But uh, in terms of, of Overdrive and uh, Tim and Sid, they're pretty much the exact same interview, <laughs> to be quite honest. But I pulled out a couple of interesting things. Just curious if you had a chance to listen and if you pulled out anything from uh, from his comments. Yeah, I've been, I've been, you know, listening. Uh, you got to, you, you simply must. So for me, a, a couple of things that I really pulled out here and that I kind of alluded to earlier in the podcast was the fact that. So I was listening to the one on Overdrive, and Brian Hayes asked the question. He said, "Well, you know, the fact that Zach Hyman's back, you guys are going to be in this cap crunch. What's this going to do for you know your routines?" practice wise because usually you know you do have 23 skaters so you have a couple of extra guys that you can play uh, with in practice and and whatnot and that's not going to be the case and if you have a guy that that gets injured not only not for you know maybe IR eligible but he's only going to be injured for a couple of games that really screws him and he was asked you know well what what are you going to do in that case for practice what I found interesting he said the Marlies are in town hmm and by that, I think what he meant was, you know, if we need an extra guy, you just got to make a call down the road and be like, hey, uh, you know, Willie's got a bit of a bug today. Can you send over uh, Nick Patan? And just like that, right. Patan's getting in his car and driving down to the rink. And, and he's there and he's going to be in the line rushes practicing uh, and just being a practice body. One that he would have been if... You know, they had a regular 23-man roster, but if they're down to 20, they don't have any extra guys. So that's what I found interesting. Everybody's talking about how, well, how are the Leafs going to navigate through this bit of a, a, a tricky situation cap-wise? And just like that, he, he kind of puts puts away one little fear uh, and and puts uh, puts the fire out on that just like that. And I, I, that was something that I, I kind of took out of that, which I found interesting. Anything that you found interesting? Um, yeah, I think that's, I think that's, uh, reasonable and, and, you know, uh, an easy answer to, to all that stuff. Um, he also sort of in, in his media discussions talked about, um, Jason Spezza being in and out of the lineup, I think, um, is somebody we've talked about, um, and even early in the year in camp in preseason, he was a little critical of Spets, um, but he was pretty effusive of, of, uh, how much Spets likes hockey and how much he is always in a good mood and, and is, uh, handling being in and out of the lineup a lot, and that's something that with that versatility we're seeing in the the bottom of the roster can be difficult. But um, you know, you're dealing with veteran guys who have been around, and and it's good to see that that, that it seems like everybody involved in that churn uh, handles it in a professional way because it could be easy for that to be a difficulty given you know somebody like Spetz's uh, time in the league and how long he's been around. It'd be easy for him to uh, handle that. Um, with a bit of an air to him, but he, he has not done that, uh, according to Babs. So I thought that was uh, some stuff that I like to see. And he's the player that I'm really curious to see what happens with once Hyman gets back. 
you know, it just doesn't seem like Babs wants to play him. But at the same time, he's such a, a well-respected veteran, not only in the city, but around the league. And to, to just healthy scratch the guy for the rest of the year, or maybe even if they get if, if they need B and they can't uh, hold 21 guys, he may be somebody who they're going to have to send down to the minors. So his it's going to be interesting to see what they end up doing with, uh, with Jason Spezza. Uh, for me, another thing that I picked out of this, the term of the week that everybody was kind of using and talking about and because Babcock said it was identity you know the team is yet to establish an identity you know they're they're roughly fi- they're 15 games in and uh and that's pretty much the reasoning he said for why this team hasn't had much success you know there's there's no identity there and they're not playing their game which is basically what we've been talking about now for the last couple of couple of podcasts I guess the fact that no they don't have an identity because they're not playing their style of hockey because they're too focused on you know what he what he said uh was the pre-scout against the Kings said uh yeah the pre-scout we knew that they weren't going to give us much ice and uh there wasn't going to be any room so we were kind of you know figuring that that was kind of going to be the way the way that it goes it's like well why do you just have to accept that? Why can't you figure out a way to game plan around it as opposed to trying to play that style of hockey? Uh, and I think it's because they just don't have that identity. Like, it just bothers me. The, the team is so good that you should be able to dictate how the game is played and how you want the game to be played. Not the LA Kings. Like, come on. Like, I, I they're one of the worst teams in the league. You can't just sit there, watch film, and be like, yeah, no, they're, they're a tight team. They don't give you much. And then just sit back and accept, accept it and play a low-event hockey game just because that's the way that the LA Kings like to play. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, no, absolutely. And I, I think there was uh, also some words he talked about, um, you know, progressing and figuring out who they are as a team. And he said, um, we talked about accountability. He says they, they have to play longer. It will be harder for longer, staying out of the box, shift length, all the things we know we have to do. Um, and one of the things he chalked that up to is getting to know each other better on the team. Uh, he said, when you know people and you're around your family and you do something wrong, somebody smacks you. I'm not talking about with a hand, but they keep you in line. And when you're a team and you're used to each other, you keep each other accountable. What you When you don't know each other, you tiptoe around too much. And I think that's the biggest part of the process for us. Um, maybe that's passing the buck down the line a little bit, but... There are a lot of new faces on this team, and as much as we sort of, it feels like they've been together now over a month, but it feels like they've been they've been together for a while. They're still figuring out who plays where. The top line isn't even established. There's a lot of moving parts. So I think as much as it is frustrating and as much to your point uh, as you are correct, there is still uh, some room here for these guys to understand uh, you know, what's expected of them in the roles they're inhabiting, some of them for the first time. And I think something that that might help combat that that's coming up, they got a big, long road trip uh, after this weekend's game, well, after Saturday's game, actually. uh, Eight of the next nine games are going to be on the road, and that should really give them a chance to get to to know one another. There was actually a great piece in The Athletic written by uh, Mike Rossi, um, and... Uh, who's a beat writer for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And he talked about, he talked to Crosby and asked like, well, you know, what's the difference? Why do some players like playing on the road? And he said, well, when you got a bunch of new players, 
you know, you could kind of, that's your time to bond and that's your time to get to know each other. He said that he kind of felt like a bit of a stranger when he walks into the, into the, the dressing room on week one. And a lot of them are new kids. And especially when there's a lot of turnover in Toronto, there's so many new people. And the only way to really get to know your teammates is going on those big, long road trips. And the Leafs have yet to have that this year. They've played 10 games at home, just six on the road. And those six on the road have really just been kind of one-offs. They just kind of quickly jet up to Buffalo, play, or quickly jet up to, to Montreal, play a game. Quickly jet up to uh, Boston, play a game. You know, like it hasn't been a consistent four or five game swing where they've gone out west or they've gone uh done like an east coast thing so i think the fact that next week they're going to be out on the road that'll give them a chance to gel and uh, really kind of find themselves uh, as a team maybe that'll give them a chance to establish their quote unquote identity yeah no i think that's a great i think that's a great that's a great take um is there anything else that you pulled? I thought that that was that was kind of the the main things yeah. that we pulled out there. Uh, that's yeah, about it. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Well, that's gonna do it for us here today in the podcast. I'd like to thank you for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Locked On Leafs podcast on all podcasting platforms and receive daily Leafs content. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Leafs. Follow myself at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow Zoobs at the underscore Zoobs. Be sure to check back in here tomorrow. We'll be recapping the Leafs and Vegas Golden Knights game. We'll also be teeing up the doubleheader we got on the weekend uh, between the Flyers and Blackhawks. Should be a good show. It's going to be a uh, pretty jam-packed show, I guess, too. We got to do all those mm-hmm. games. Uh, but it's going to be fun. Looking forward to it. So be sure to check back in here tomorrow. But until then, keep it locked right here on Locked on Leafs.